2: With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
1: Welcome to The Notice Podcast number 855. This episode's brought to you by Audible. Hey, are you a reader? Uh, well, that's good. Reading is good. But, you know, you don't always have time to be a reader. So be a listener. Um, go to Audible. They have audiobooks from the leading audiobook publishers, uh, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine, newspaper publishers, business information providers. You can, you can catch up on anything that you would normally read. But you could listen to it because sometimes that's just more uh, expeditious if you're, if you're on uh, public transportation or you're in your car or you're at work or whatever and you've run out of Nerdist podcasts, I imagine you've gone back and listened to all 855 episodes from the beginning, uh, then you would go to Audible. So, for instance, um, I just noticed that uh, Neil Gaiman narr- wrote a, 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 a giant collection of Norse mythology, so, and he reads it on Audible. Now, if you've ever heard Neil Gaiman's voice, you know that you wish it was the voice that spoke to you in your head all the time, because it's a fantastic voice. And it happens to belong to a brilliant man. So uh, check out Norse Mythology, at uh, read by Neil Gaiman on Audible. Uh, and Audible is offering a free 30-day trial membership. Go to audible.com slash today to start your free trial. And now it's time for another visit to the Nerdist Community Corkboard. So, uh, first of all, let me tell you that I will be performing March 3rd and 4th at the Irvine Improv. I'm doing stand-up. It's a whole new set. I'm working it out. Because someday I'm going to do a new special. So, uh, please come see me at the Irvine Improv with my best friend Mike Furman, who will be opening, and April Richardson, who will also be opening, and uh, maybe we'll do some songs while you're there. So uh, if you go to irvine.improv.com, you can find it and uh, grab tickets to that. So hopefully you'll see you out there behind the orange curtain, as we say in Southern California. Anyone else who doesn't get that reference or live here, please disregard. Also, we have a bunch of other podcasts on the Nerdist Podcast Network. We have Bizarre States with Jessica Chobot and Andrew Bowser. We have the Jonah Carey podcast with Jonah Carey. And Chewing It with Kevin Heffernan and Steve Lemmy of Broken Lizard. Also, Half Hour Happy Hour with Allison Hayslip and Alex Albrecht. So much more. Find all our shows on Nerdist.com and on iTunes. And don't forget about the Nerd Melt showroom at Meltdown Comics. Uh, Good, fun, comedy happenings. Every single night, from Doug Loves Movies to their new Wednesday night stand-up show, The Rabbit Hold, with Jay Larson and Rory Scovel. Find info and tickets at nerdmeltla.com. Uh, this episode is Jordan Peele, who is uh, promoting Get Out, which is a, a fucking great movie. It's a horror thriller movie. I'm not, I don't want to tell you – I mean, we – there are no spoilers in this podcast about it, by the way. We talk around it. So don't worry. If you have not seen the movie yet, you can listen to this podcast, but you should definitely see the movie. Um, this is a Jordan Peele's feature film directorial debut, and he does a fucking amazing job. Obviously, you know Jordan from Key and Peele, um, but he is a um, – he is a, a, a comedy – he is comedy lightning in a bottle – I don't know why in a bottle, but people just say that. So it just, it just sounded weird to not say in, in a bottle after lightning. He could be free-range lightning, too. I'm getting a call about that right now. The president of lightning is calling me. He's not happy with what I just said about, about lightning in a bottle. I apologize, all right? I apologize. Lightning doesn't always have to be in a bottle. Sometimes lightning can just be out there. Get Out comes out Friday, February 24th, so you should absolutely go see it. Um, he's nice. I like that Jordan Peele. He's a, he's a good egg, that Jordan Peele. This episode also brought to you by Stamps.com. Uh, maybe I should write Jordan a letter. Not just an email or a text. Maybe I should write him a letter. Oh, crap, though. I don't have time to go to the post office. Hey, that's okay, because Stamps.com will save me time and money which means it can also save you time and money, which you can use to grow your business. You can mail any letter, any package using just your computer and your printer, and then the mail carrier just picks it up. That's it. Avoid the hassle. Don't go to the post office. Create your Stamps account in minutes online with no equipment to lease, no long-term commitments. Click print mail. You're done. Unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes. Uh, You can print out your postage 24-7. Uh, It is convenient, it is reliable, it is easy and flexible. Stamps.com brings all the services of the post office right to your fingertips. So they're going to send you a digital scale. It's going to automatically calculate exact postage. And then you'll never waste any money on postage that you don't need. Uh, Right now, you can enjoy stamp service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage in a digital scale without long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Nerdist. That's stamps.com. Enter the promo code Nerdist. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Uh, Here's the Nerdist podcast number 855. With the return of Jordan Peele. Katie. Roll it.
0: Now entering
3: Nerdist.com.
1: movie Wolf, even though i tried to tell her how horribly
3: flawed of a well, movie it is. you know, it really, that movie comes, and you got some gremlins. Was that, did you get those from the, the Rick Baker auction? She got, I think she got one from the Rick Baker auction.
1: Yeah, from the prop store, the, the Rick prop Baker prop store thing, yeah. And
3: then, I don't know where she got the other one, and then she got a Galaxy Quest gun. Wolf, the, uh, Wolf, to me, is, it all comes down to the this, the scene, the James Spader scene. Yes. Where he, the, the creepiest scene of all time, I just... <laughs> like he, it's just the best. Like three minutes of that scene was uh, that there. Movie. There was
1: Spader was the quintessential like handsome douchebag. But like there was all in the eighties. He always played that guy yeah, and in the nineties,
3: right? Or what? Or Blaine, Blake, Blake from, from, from *Pity and Pink*, Sixteen Candles*, whichever one he was originally. He was in um, some kind of no, no.
1: That was Craig Sheffer. Yeah, I think it was Pretty in Pink. I think it was Pretty Pretty in in Pink. Pink Played Yeah, the the
3: coke head douchebag, yeah.
1: And in in, in Less Than Zero. Was was he not in Less Than Zero? Was he in Less Than Zero? No, that was Andrew McCarthy and Robert Downey Jr. Well, Maybe he was in Less Than Zero, but he always played that guy that probably was giving coke to people. Yes. Like always. (laughs) That's right. So, and when he it, popped up again in Blacklist, I'm like, who's that? That's James that's Spader. James Spader.
3: Yeah. Uh, James Spader once uh, cornered me and uh, confessed to being like the biggest Key and Peele fan. Holy shit. And I felt like Michelle Pfeiffer in that scene in Wolf. Like, he was like, <laughs> I was in a corner, we were at a party. Did he try to give like, you cocaine, too? <laughs> no, I, I, I <laughs> okay. wish. I would. James Spader is somebody I would go back to cocaine for and <laughs> try, try a move with him. That would just be a story.
1: <laughs> one more time for Spader. <laughs> one more time. One more time. <laughs> on. All right, Spader. All what right. What else you
3: got? What else you got?
1: Oh, this this it's a. I have a. I have an unhealthy se- uh, animation cell collection. And these, yes. are, these are the framed ones, but I've had a brought, bunch more
3: upstairs. Oh wow! You want to rabbit.
1: Yeah. Cool, man. Jordan's in my in my home now. It's yeah. a. It's a. We're not. It's not an at midnight shoot day. So. So we sometimes I do these at my house. Yeah. Thank you and for coming.
3: This, this, no, this is like this is like a museum of my um, all my favorite stuff. <laughs> this is like I'm, I'm very uh jealous but I, I need to come back. You got Ned Ned Ry- Ryerson Ryerson? Got a little Ned Ryerson up there. Up there a little picture of Ned Ryerson. I have an I've an, and that's Igora over there over the other one, a little Marty Feldman. <laughs> you got Marty Feldman up in here. Yep. Um yep. Just a uh, it's a play palace absolutely we're, we're, enviable collection.
1: Um, our, our generation really gets to live this. I can't imagine my parents like having toys.
3: Yeah, no, in
1: their ha- like they wouldn't have ever no, thought no,
3: no, that no. was okay. No, well, so, something there was. There's something about this 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 era that you're you know you and your wife are clearly fascinated with and i'm fascinated with too like these late 80s early 90s like the you know the 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 howlings the roger rabbits the rick baker stuff that it's like it's kind of a it's kind of a special time in film i think mainly because of the practical effects right you know and also the glut of with
1: cable and the and the and the home video revolution that yeah. all sort of happened around the same time mm-hmm we were so inundated with pop culture in a way. I mean, we had the ability to sort of control to an extent, not like today, but our parents, it's like something came on TV and if they missed it, they may never see it again. That's right. you know. And then yeah. now, I mean, then in the 80s, at least we could tape things and get a little control back.
3: Yeah, so. that's right. That's right. So and I think, uh, I think
1: that we we're just so pop culture obsessed because it, it was so much a part of the tapestry. And I assume you were a voracious... Like in between going to computer school, mm-hmm.
3: I assume you were nice. a voracious uh, pop culture consumer. Oh gosh, I mean I'm a total cinephile. My, my, um, you know, by the time I got to high school. It was like I would go buy one uh, a v, two VHSs a week. Like I'd get $20 to go, you know, uh, in the beginning of the week to, you know, get miscellaneous food, snacks, and, you know, travel. I would go blow it on a movie. And so my friend and I, we just built this VHS collection that was like, 3 or 400 movies strong. Of what
1: what are you buying at, the, at It was time?
3: you know it was all movies in kind of in this world you're talking about. It was like dead again. Uh-huh. It would have been um like you know S- stand by me. Uh we would have been obsessed with things like The First Power. Uh-huh. Just like real m- popcorn movies. Um, genre films. Um, and it was it was you know anything good, anything cinematic. I don't. Without I, I,
1: we sort of talked about because I don't want to spoil anything. But my wife and I watched Get Out last night, and it's fucking great. Thank you. And the reason, like, when we watch, pretty much every horror, everything that comes out. Yeah. And so, the thing as like really hardcore horror fans that we appreciated was that I've it's so wildly different from anything. I mean usually, you know, there's there's such a there's such a glut of horror right now because mm-hmm. it's a it's an inexpensive genre that can pay off like if someone just, you know, 3 million dollar movie can stumble across a 100 million dollar horror That's right. f- franchise. That's right. And so the downside to that is, you know, you never really know what you're going to get. When you see something, right. you go, all right, it's four teenagers with a fucking Ouija board. They're all yeah. going to die sequentially. And That's right. You know, but Get Out is such a – so I would love – so without giving anything away yeah. because it is a, you know, it's a movie that you need to experience and you don't want spoiled. Yeah. But where did this come from?
3: Yeah, I mean, and you can – you know uh, the, the, there's, I basically boiled down all my favorite movies. You know, I did. I, I I tried to take a page out of the Tarantino book and say like, don't shy away from my favorite moments, my favorite devices, the way the masters have inspired me. If I can figure out a way to, uh, you know, create a cohesive new story, there, there's something there's something genuinely unique uh, and special about it. So for me, it was Stepford Wives, <laughs> the Rosemary's Baby, the, really Ira Levin um material mm-hmm. um but then there's you know there, there, there's different scenes I'm pulling from different things I definitely go you know like the 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 the, the way that the the overlook is a uh, a monster that hangs over the shining I tried to like you know use the house in this movie in that way um you know the first scene of the film takes place in you know this white suburban neighborhood and i was talking about halloween while we were shooting that scene the whole time and trying to capture that eeriness so um there you know there's there's probably about you know 20 movies i could um i could take you through and like uh i i I pulled from because
1: it's not i mean there are There are funny moments in it, but it's not a comedy. Right. I mean, it's, there's a certain amount of social satire that I think we go, oh, that's really weird and funny that people, Mm -hmm. but there really is, um, it's so interesting to use horror to make like really poignant (laughs) statements on race relations. Yeah. I mean, it's, because, you know, there are points in the movie where, you know, where, people are trying to prove how racist they aren't yes which it always sounds almost
3: worse it's which almost always yeah. sounds almost worse it's just
1: like you're like i know what you go through i know what yeah. you guys are all you know and then you just kind of go cringe and go oh
3: no no have i done that oh dude. i hope that's the that. oh, please well you know and first of all it's like th- th- it, this isn't like This isn't like all white people are evil movie, although that's what it can look like. Well, we are. Um, You know, hey, you know, not not more than the rest of us. (laughs) Um, You know, yes, no, I but I I do believe race is like this. It's something that we all have to um, deal with within ourselves, and we all have to look at ourselves uh, first. But why why I I tote the Stepford Wives is like the biggest inspiration to me. Is like that. That's a movie about gender. That's a movie about and Rosemary's Babies, but movies about men making decisions for women mm-hmm. uh, and roles. What like who get who who should be placed in what role exactly? And, and uh, you know this was they they were they those stories emerged uh, in, during the 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 women's lib movement and like the you know when when the pill became a thing, there was this realization that you know the the way we look at gender is is uh in this culture is like is subject matter for a horror movie. And so the fact that those are my favorite movies and I don't I don't leave those movies feeling persecuted as a man, I feel in tune with what those the leads are up to, that was a signal to me that we could do that with race.
1: Well, it I mean again, I don't want to give too much away, but it what do you think is the most what, the underlying message, like what do you want to come out of this? Like it, like extrapolating from the, the story, the specific story and how the characters interact is what, what kind of feeling do you want people to leave the theater with or what do you want people to go, oh, that's really interesting. I never thought about blah.
3: Yeah, you know, it's, it's there. there's many, as you know, there's like, there's a lot of layers going on. The movie kind of continues to unfold, I think, for people over the next couple of days after they sit and think about it. You know, my, my, my goal here was first and foremost to entertain people. Just to get get a movie that sort of addressed the horror movie audience in all of us that just wants to be like get out the house, you know, <laughs> shut pick up the phone and call the cops. <laughs> You know, stop walking backwards <laughs> towards a, a dark doorway. Too bad we can't stay. Eddie Too bad we yeah. can't stay. Yeah. Right. And, of course, you know, I was alluding to that, you know, because in that, in that bit, he references the the Amityville, get out. And the white people are always like, hang on a minute. Let's see what well, we want. What... And then the black people, get out. Too bad we can't stay, baby. He <laughs> I mean, did the bit. But, um, yeah, so uh, I, I wanted to fill a you know what what I felt like was a missing piece of the the cinematic uh, puzzle and conversation um, in, in terms of getting, giving giving uh, black perspective some representation but also giving that that black need for characters to do um, smart stuff in in in, in movies to, to sort of serve that audience which is very loyal um but do it in in an inclusive way that you know you you don't if you're not black you can come to this movie and you can you can kind of be black for the movie you can see (laughs) the world through the eyes of this character and it's very important for me for this movie to be inclusive and to honor the people who have come to this film by saying look this you you, i'm 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 giving you the benefit of the doubt that you are perceptive intelligent um emotive person um you know because you're you're a horror fan like i am um and we can connect on entertainment we can connect on fun and uh if you come out of it and say hey you know what i never thought about something this way or uh you can, you know, I, I I would love if people took away from this movie on a deeper level, um, the, the 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 systematic, you know, in, incarceration of, of black men in in, our, in the prison system. I mean, that's that you know, on the deepest level, that is kind of what this movie is about. Is that there is a a perspective that, and there is a horror. That has been neglected in this country and within the genre of horror films. Is it is it racist to ask you about the race relations (laughs) in the movie? No, it's not great.
1: You're all good. Okay, good, good, good. Um, Because uh, (laughs) I think what makes a really what makes any great film, but what makes a really good horror film, and so few horror films have them, is having it be about anything other than just like you know sometimes it's just about well let's just murder the shit out of these people and that's fine if that's if that's done really well. But to actually and again you know it. I also want to um, make it very clear that it doesn't ever feel like, hey, he's hitting you over the head with this. Me-. Like, it's just a, it's just there. Cool. And it's a part of the the story, which is great. And so, you know, I mean, I, I, I look at horror movies as like one man shows mm. where you sort of go like, well, <laughs> most of them aren't great. Mm-hmm. but when you see a really good one you go oh that's what it's supposed to be like right. you you sort of you, part of the pursuit is that you mine through a lot of sameness because when you discover one that's really different you get really excited as a horror fan and then you want to tell all of your friends about oh this is
3: the one you got to see that was another um thing that's attractive to me about this genre i mean besides the fact that it's it's my favorite i'm just i'm i'm into it, it you know it feels like we get we, we we get you know a handful, um, sometimes less of really great horror films a, a year, um, you know. So many years it feels like one, two, or or zero. Right. Um, so uh, that that to me was like okay, there is there, there's there's work to be done here. There's there's fun to be had, and if if you can make a something decent that resonates, it should be successful um you know the to to what you're saying about you know horror rarely saying something i think that that's i think that that's true but and but i also think that you know when when it when when a horror movie does take off and resonate it usually does have some seed it maybe in a subtler sort of like um more more allegorical way of of a real horror um you know i think stephen king is a great um, oh, yeah. example of like all of his books it's like whether it's whether it's something like it that you know starts with this real horror of you know the notion of a serial killer who kills children um in the town and then you know it sort of sp- it, it, it expands on that horror and says well what if it's not just a human what if it's the, what if it's this demon or um you know pet cemetery oh, about the 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 loss of a son. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> you know, Ed Gwynn in there. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes dead okay. is better. Yeah. Nice. Um. I. You know. So that. I, I. think in the future. I. I may. I may pull back on the sort of. Uh, the direct social uh, allegory and be a little bit more um, symbolic, a little bit more representative and more c- cinematic. But I'm I'm obsessed with this idea of the social thriller. That's such a great it's such a
1: great layer to add because it it also kinda save it it also kinda helps you not have to go over the top with s- stunty stuff. Because mm-hmm. I think people have to go over the top with stunty shit if they can't rely on the gravity of the story. They're like, oh well now we gotta have someone ah like jump out and you know there there aren't really a lot of those ah, I'm gonna get you moments, mm-hmm. but there's certainly a couple of you know, like when he's running across the yep. back, like just those, and it's shot so well too because it it's definitely sort of plays on that, like oh, that's unsettling
3: on a very deep evolutionary level that I I'm not okay with whatever is happening yes. right now. Yes, I you know I had to put a couple of these jump scares in. I I, I thought about. it. I was like, you know, this is a movie that could sort of. Stand as a you know a, a subtler you know more cre- you know where you know whereas Kubrick with The Shining there's like no jump scares and it's the most terrifying movie of all time so so elevated but you know when I wanted to make a movie that, that makes people scream in the theater <laughs> I wanted to make a collaborative experience that uh, um, that is that that's interactive and like I said like really kind of honor that audience so I I, I put them in there. Uh, and the the your lead actor Daniel Kaluuya, yes, Daniel, who
1: at first like I was racking my brain, mm-hmm. and I realized, oh fuck, he was in Black Mirror, yeah, and he he's really great at playing a character who's sort of a vessel for the audience, yes, you know where he because he's so seamless. And by the way, if you didn't know he was British, you would. His accent is flawless. Flawless. His accent. American accent is flawless. But he's so good at being a vessel for the audience of like, oh, I can see myself as
3: that guy. Yeah, and that was that was huge for in in the casting uh, choice here. I mean, first of all, like you see this film, this guy's he's a star. I mean, as as, as you've seen, he's he will he fills in the moments like. Um, just like, just like one of the greatest actors, uh, in the world. He's, he's my personal favorite actor right now. And, uh, and yeah, he's got a relatability. He's got a warmth. You, you, you know, he feels like he could be, you know, your best friend or brother, but, you know, most importantly to me, he feels sharp. He feels like, uh, he feels like he is a protagonist who you can at least rest assured that, you know what? He, he, he's onto it. He's on to something. He's sensing something. He's no. He's no. He's no dumbass. He's not going to be walking backwards into a dark room. Although there is a (laughs) (laughs) there. there, There's times where it it gets close, but to to that. But you know, the whole project for me was selling this idea of yeah, we need the audience to relate, like respect this character and feel sort of taken care of by his intelligence. Yeah. Well, everyone in the movie. Uh, uh,
1: Bradley Whitford and Catherine mm-hmm. Keener and uh, and uh, the guy who plays the t- his best friend, the TSA agent, Little Rel Howry, fucking hilarious. Yeah, and and yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't, again. Don't want to give away too much. Stephen Root's mm-hmm. great. Allison Williams is is flawless.
3: So uh, it, it really. I mean, how, how about um uh, the woman Betty Gabriel who played Georgina? Holy shit! That. Oh, fuck. Okay, I was about to give away a
1: scene, but there is a scene where they're in the be- where they're in yeah. the bedroom. Talk about that. that's in the trailer. It's oh, know. it is. Yeah, okay, and it's ugh, it where she's just about to crack. It's this performance, man. It's incredible because it's not it's not acty in any way. Like it just yeah.
3: she's so solid. She's yeah. so solid. Uh, Marcus Henderson, Lakeith Stanfield. Like the cast in this movie was. I mean, can you imagine? Just I mean, for a first time director getting this ensemble together and feeling so intimidated, like, holy shit, Catherine Keener is going to be in this film.
1: And they're looking up to you to know things about it, to
3: tell them what to do. I mean, and even more with this one than, than, than usual, because I I would think, because this is, if this goes, if this goes wrong, if this goes, if, 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 if I get the tone wrong or somebody gets the tone wrong, like the thing can, it could fall apart. Like a house of cards it, it it's such we 're in such dangerous territory and you, we don 't want the movie to be an exploitation of you know the the real horrors and real you know uh victims of of rage, racial prejudice we don 't we don 't want it to be a, a total um, villainization of uh of an entire race or mm-hmm. anything like that. You, you, you want it to play like on this level you're talking about where the, the satire and the commentary is there, but ultimately you, you can just watch a good movie. So at the, I'm just talking about like what was personal about this for you because at
1: the core of it is a biracial relationship. Yeah. And you are biracial, and you are married. Chelsea is, uh, white. is white.
3: So we're in an interracial thing, yeah. It's
1: interracial, not biracial. Inter- interracial, biracial, Bir-racial. you are biracial, so the relationship we will is have interracial.
3: A, yes, our, our our household is about to become more biracial. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Holy we, shit. Um, you guys just got married like less than a year ago. I know, we got busy fast. I know. Yeah. My wife, we got married in August and she's like, oh, yeah, we'll wait like a year. I'm like, two years? You know, I was trying to like, you want to wait two yeah, years? Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, it's every, yeah, it's, 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 it, you know, we, we, we knew what we were doing and it still feels like it's ca- caught me off guard. Sure. I don't think anyone's ever, except for maybe the Duggar family, like, I don't think anyone's ever ready. <laughs> That's
1: right. Yeah. Who, who I assume at this point just give birth to pregnant babies. Like I can't figure out <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there's, right. a, there's a human pyramid scheme, yeah. is what's happening there. But but um but at least with the yes, I mean like what an incredible so, yeah. uh to, to be to feel like that. I mean, this is
3: an incredible time for you. It's a great time for me. First
1: baby, first movie. And
3: um yeah, I mean and you were talking about the the, the identity being yes. you know, I've I've you know, being mixed, being biracial. There is this um you know, there's a perspective that I think is, is relatively untapped in, in pop culture. And, you know, like, you know, Keegan and I said that there's, uh, you know, when, when Obama became, was elected, it sort of opened, uh, it, 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 it intrigued people as to what the identi- mixed identity is about. And it's, 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 it's sort of a nebulous uh, thing for us and myself as well. You know, I definitely view myself as a black man as an African-American, but, uh, you know, I have a white, you know, white family, you know, the the side of my family that I I grew up with is is white, and um, there's, I think, part of being mixed in America feels like you get to be included in two different uh, identities, but you also are kind of uh, separate. Um, and you, you're sort of in uh, on the outside of being fully included. So I think for for Keegan and I, with Key and Peel, it it sort of it 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 made us ask ourselves well, what what is what does our pers- unique perspective here sort of provide? And um, you know, ultimately, it was like you know, Keen and Peel is what came out of that that question. um, uh, this movie is very much from the perspective of a of a, of a black man um, and uh, specifically a black man who uh, you know, finds himself surrounded by white people and and what that dynamic is the the presumptions that I might make uh, you know as an African American in that situation the presumptions that they will make um, in that situation and uh, it's uh it's 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 uh it's just it's great to be able to get the platform to you know put some of my my perspective out there. It
1: really was an impressive especially first first time. I mean, I'm sure you know I'm sure Kean Peele was a masterclass in how to, you know, create characters and make stories as quickly as possible with probably not a lot of budget and not a lot of time and not a lot of but I mean that still doesn't always tra- you know sketch doesn't always translate into like well how do you tell a you know a ninety minute story like yeah. how do you how do you let the characters breathe and really balance everything out very well
3: yeah very a very um yeah it, an interesting transition and i uh you know i was lucky with with this one i I had enough time and it had marinated uh enough uh and I could really you know i'm i'm a total movie fan, so I really just you know, I looked at my favorite movie. I, I movies. I dissected them. Uh, you know, I got you know scientific with it at times, and uh, and just um visceral and emotional with it, and other times. Um, but yeah, with Key and Peele, we got to you know produce like three hundred short films. Um, all pretty much all of them helmed by Peter Atencio, mm-hmm. who's you know just ridiculous, ridiculously amazing talent. He did Keanu as well. And um, uh, you know, I I I figured like, hey, if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I love movies so much. I, I thought I I just was insecure about the idea that I could actually direct one. And but after Key and Peele, I was like, you know what? If if I can't do it now, then there's you know, I'll
0: never be able to.
3: <laughs> no one can. Well, you're not in it at all. Yeah. And so,
1: was there any point where the studio was like, "What do you? You're not going to be in it?" I mean, is Keegan, are you going to get, Keegan, are you guys going to do characters? Are you guys going to, like, did you ever have to push back? No, 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 this is a whole different, you know, because there's, there's also not just in terms of, you know, personal identity, but there's also this idea for you, I imagine, of coming out of Key and Peel of establishing your own creative identity mm-hmm. of like, oh, I'm a, you know, Keegan and I work together, but I'm separate, a separate person. Mm-hmm. This is my perspective on this. It's not going to be what you saw on that. Like that is a, you know, that's a really smart move. I I think to establish yourself and not try to you know keep doing well. Yeah,
3: I mean you know there's only so much uh, key and peel that people want to see. I think uh, at a certain point, and you know we I think we left at the right time to you know we left we left when the show was I, I think was at its best. Um, but to to answer your question, yes, they you know there was you know, questions, but, you know, do you want, Jordan, should, do you want to play Rod? Do you want to, you know, it was this feeling, you know, we, you know, as you say, horror movies, we don't, we don't have a incredible budget. So the idea that, you know, I could I could bring a little bit of my fan base, you know, as an actor and, you know, we, we could get me for cheap and that kind of thing, you know, (laughs) Um, the the real thing that, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, acting is, is fun and it's cool. And I got, I got such. A, I got to. I got to do it a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, I love directing. I love writing, and I love directing. Um, so, uh, and also, I'm not. The, I'm not the biggest fan of myself as a as an actor. You know, I. I the people I put in this movie are, are there because I am fans of what they do, and uh, it, it was, I, I think it was the probably the smartest decision not to sort of cave in and insert myself into it. Also, it's like. Tonally, it's it's important that this is a thriller and not that it doesn't go into um, you know parody land. And you people right. people see me and it'll boom. That it's done.
1: Where's all the comedy? Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. He's gonna do characters. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. I think it's good to condition the
1: audience of like, hey, I'm mean, I'm not gonna do the same thing every time. Yeah. And you should just be prepared that it's not it's not gonna be that because I didn't. You know, when I first when it first started, my first thought was like, oh, is this is it going to be like a comedy horror or is it going to be and then it seems it's apparent pretty quickly that it's not it's not like a there's nothing slapsticky about it there's no comedy there's no winks to the audience it's a very it's like a straight ahead horror movie
3: and it has you know uh you know when I was thinking about tone I thought a lot about scream yep and how that has you know there's a uh, there, there's something satirical, but at the same time grounded in that there's an acknowledgement of hor- that horror movies exist in this world. Mm-hmm. There's something something that is, you know, it's 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 the funny part of Scream, but they don't disrupt the horror because they it it, it exists in the real world. Yeah. So that was that, that you know. I think with any sort of horror comedy hybrid of which, you know, this, again, I call it a social thriller. I, w- I would liken it most to um, the Stepford Wives. But, you know, I acknowledge that there, there's a part of this movie that has is satirical. Um, and anytime you have a comedy horror hybrid of any sort, you know, I think if it works, it's this weird, unique film that has its own sort of alchemy of it. Yeah, um, you know the Ghostbusters, Scream, um, uh, uh, Evil Dead. These are all like extremely different movies that all take place in this weird nebulous genre.
1: Well, yeah, where, and where the com where any comedy that comes out is situational, and it's not like we made a joke. You yeah. know, I mean, if you ever see the uh, if you ever see the cut scenes from Ghostbusters, there's a mm-hmm. uh, it's on one of the DVDs, that, but it. it You see that they did a lot. There was a lot of like jokey joke stuff that they that Ivan Reitman cut out that they pulled out that we were like, oh my god, this would have been a totally different. You know, it was basically just Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd Mm -hmm. doing other characters. Yeah, I
3: blame Aykroyd for this, by the way. (laughs) One hundred percent. You know, Aykroyd was just like, well, you know, let's let's let's, you know, I I think we should. uh, Well, he's also you know, obviously the guy that was just like science jargon, right? Like he just he finds that funny, and and. And, you know, being raised by that film, I do, too. (laughs) Um, But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think what I I found with all of these movies that sort of exist on, you know, in horror and in comedy in some space, the most important notion is reality, that there's a groundedness. Um, I I think something's only going to be as funny as it is applied to the real world. I think something's only going to be as scary as it is applied to the real world. It, uh and the problem is the the two genres can often set one another off. There's like there's no reference point, there's no cohesion of what um what, what what reality is. So I think, you know, talking about Ghostbusters, the reason that movie is so dope is because the scary scenes are scary, um the funny scenes um are are funny, you know, Bill Murray's just going going at it with the improv, but the movie feels kind of real mm-hmm. in this weird way. Like they're they're blue-collar plumbers. This is like what <laughs> if what if you needed like a city-wide exorcist squad in real life New York and that 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 undercurrent of real reality Allows you to access both genres and the practical effects, and then the practical the, the practical
1: effects, effects were unlike. I mean, they they were so different, and to to have a comedy film that had that layer of you know where they usually skimp on that, like oh it's a comedy, we'll just yeah. make it dopey. You know, like, yeah. so, but there was a legitimate. You know, I remember watching some MTV movie specials about. The making of the you know, and they'd mm-hmm. show you how. Oh, here's how they did Slimer, and here's how they did the thing where all the ghosts have been released from the the containment unit, and yeah. uh, it was and- yeah, it was a, it was a and the, and the Elmer Bernstein music like it was a
3: it was a great movie and like on like ten different levels is I mean is it just me or is that is it just us or is that still not just better, practical a good practical effect. Just- to me, it just is better.
1: Well, I've had this conversation. You know, I've had the. I, I. I think, I think there's. I think a mix yeah. is the best. It's yeah, like yeah. you have maybe a practical body and a CG because there are a lot of great. You know, I've I've been on the sort of uh, practical effects rant before, and then you know people email me who are CG artists and they're like, hey, you know, there's an art to this too. No, no, to I no, 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 yeah, no, of course. Yeah, art. But you know, there are very few. You know, like Jurassic Park is great or... uh, Small soldiers. Rocket Raccoon is unbelievable Mm -hmm. in Guardians. Like, really unbelievable. But, uh, you know, it's... You but a lot when things are fully CG. Most of the time, you go, "Oh, that looks
3: really good for CG." Right, but you know it's very rare. But, and you're right. And but and the thing about Jurassic Park and Small Soldiers is, you know, they are they 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 melded it, they mixed it, like you said. Right. Um, I I agree with you. I think that that is the that trumps everything because it 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 creates this sort of seamless blend of, okay, I know that creature is existing there, but it's how are they making it feel real like a right. real animal right um yeah but uh but yeah, I think the abandonment of of the practical uh effects is is a little bit of is a shame i think I think yeah, coming up with a nice
1: hybridized version of you know just finding the right places to add the details with the c g exactly. but still having the you know, of course, it's it's so easy to say movies should just do this, yeah. but usually it uh, just boils down to budget and what's available
3: and hey, resources. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Well, uh, uh, are are do you direct? Have you thought about directing? You should. I don't think I'd be a good director. Mm. I really don't. I think you would. Look here. Here's the thing that <laughs> here's the thing that you know you realize about directing. It's you can be if you're first of all if you're a fan if you have like for me it was all about. Having this this knowledge of what I like, and and Bradley Whitford said it to me in a way that made me feel very comforted. He said, "Man, you know, look, this directing thing, man, it's it's just taste. It's taste. <laughs> if you got if you got good taste, you can pull it off. Um, so I I think you got. Well, t- I don't good know. Taste. I just I the thing that the the
1: stresses taste. me out about it is is that um, I think you." really need to it's not even so much having to be the captain of the vision it's Mm -hmm. like you're really guiding this you know you're and you're kind of and you're really standing on the backs of 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 artisans like a great dp and a great lighting guy and a great music guy and great actors and a great you know what always kind of fucks me up about ever thinking about doing it is i feel like i would just stand in an edit bay and look at the almost infinite possibilities for how a story could be played out. And yeah. I just start screaming, ah,
0: ah, ah, ah. It's, I guess like, like
1: in real genius, I'm wearing the real genius. Here. like a real genius when they're studying for finals. Right, right. And the one guy just gets up and goes, ah, Yeah, ah, like, and I he mean, just runs out. Like, I feel like that's what
3: that would do to me. It dude, there's the anxiety and it is, it is, it, you will do that. And it is, um, uh, it is like the most stressful thing I've ever done. I was, I was like, I was uh, Skyping Chelsea from Alabama where we shoot it, just weeping some days <laughs> and not cause I wasn't having fun, but it, it's just the, the pressure is pretty intense. But um, you know, when you, you, you brought up the word captain, like that's, that's the other side of it is I, it feels like you are the captain of a, of a pirate ship. <laughs> you know, it, there, there's this sense of adventure. There's this sense of, um destination there's a the sense that you, you you know yes you have like these geniuses around you who are all masters of what they do and you're you're wielding this this power but you know you have to take these moments to just breathe in the salt air and say man I'm here and that I you know that makes it worth it it sounds amazing
1: i just don't know if i have a director's excuse me i don't know if i have a director's eye cuz we'll watch movies and lydia will go <laughs> Wow, the composition with the trees there. and I'm like, oh, I didn't even notice that. Like, I just, I'm so dumb. Yeah. Like, I'm just watching the, I'm just watching that guy run around. Like, yeah. she just, she notices, she notices all those things. But I, I just, I don't know. It sounds amazing, but, but I really feel like it needs to, you, it really needs to be in your bones to be a good director. Like, you, you really need to be. It's like with with comedy, you know, like you, can, you can't really half acid. I mean, you can, yeah. but you know, if you, yeah. but you, you also. I feel like what really is scaring me away from doing it is just not feeling like I'm so into it that I would be able to give 110% and not focus on
3: anything else. Well, look, I mean, it's like, we're, we're such fans of the, the art form. Yeah. So the notion that, man, if there's whatever my blind spot is, if I, if I get in there and then, yeah, like you said, see in the editing room. Oh no. I've made one of these films. (laughs) That that is that is like that's tragedy. That is like you have to you know, the the, the idea of the idea of failing after watching movies with such scrutiny and like you know, critiquing people's works and like celebrating it is it's it's uh, it's daunting. Well, I'm so much more sensitive now and and and
1: and, and empathetic to. The, you know, because we'll watch horror movies and, and I will out loud go, "What? Do, why are they, what is that? Why are they doing, oh, fuck, are you so, okay, now he's probably going to do, okay, there he did. You know, I do that. Lydia and I do that. Yeah. But then at the end of it, I always know as a creator, you know, when people go, hey, how, how come you did this this way or this sucked? Why do you do that? And you go, well, you know, sometimes things just happen the way they happen. And right. it's that, you know, it's, it's. The drawing in your head isn't always the drawing that comes out on the paper with, mm-hmm. when your hand starts manifesting it. So I try to be really forgiving of, of that stuff. Yeah. But uh, I don't know what was what did you
3: learn the most from the, from the start to finish? Well, you know when you, w- w- what you're talking about is actually you know cool. It's 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 you, you have this vision in your head of what the you know what what the film is. You have this vision of you have this idea of what it certainly isn't. Um, and then you put the pieces together, and there's an alchemy. And you know, there some scenes you go, "Wow, ah, that's 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 what I pictured. That's exactly <laughs> it. I'm I'm seeing it." Other scenes, it's you know, it's completely different. And it's like, oh, okay, this kind of became something different, and that's cool. Um, but you, you kind of can have this ex- the experience at the end of the whole thing of sitting back, watching the movie, and watching it like like it it's fresh because it's not it's never going to be exactly the film you you pictured.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, so you all, just have to be flexible, I imagine.
3: Yeah, and and just all the voices you bring in um are going to be bringing their voices to it. So, um, you know, it's like I mean, I'm not the kind of guy who's like you know going to be like a Kubrick Cameron like if 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 you don't if it's not exactly how I pictured it uh, fuck off! It's not you know it's it, it, it's not it's not that for me. I'm I'm into the collaboration. I'm into the the sense that this is gonna be something bigger than even I can imagine. I'm gonna say something that's probably very sacrilegious right now, but <laughs> when I hear stories about Kubrick, like he
1: shot that one scene like a hundred times, yeah. I kind to go. Well, that's not is that art? I mean, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. It's yeah. just sort of like, you it's know, madness. it's burst shooting, you know, I yeah. can
3: burst shoot. Listen, I'm not, I'm not I, saying I'm it's easy. I'm, I'm not I know saying what you mean. But when
1: I hear those stories, I'm like, oh, no, it yeah, just kind of sounds like he was. Let's
3: a, let's see what he can do if he's get he gets he gets two uh, takes. <laughs> uh, two takes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's see what he can put together. <laughs> well, two takes, Kubrick.
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's good. It's great, you know. Yeah. Like I've, I mean, you know, of course he's a, he was masterful, but but it, but that that's where I kind of feeling. Like, well, I don't know. I mean, if you you know, I guess if you you know if you if you shoot something every day for a year, in that year you're gonna something you're gonna be able to use. Yeah, I don't yeah. know.
3: And you know the. I think one of the best things that I got. Take that, Kubrick. Front, yeah. Take that. Yes, we, I spit on your grave. <laughs> you also fun movie. Also a fun movie. Also also fun movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, yes, no. We obviously we love we love Kubrick.
1: Well, I'm curious. So uh, you you and Keegan came on. I think well, it might have been like five years ago now, something like that. But Keegan Peele was just kind of taking off when you when you came on. Like it had just started. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, again, a lot of things happen for legal reasons. But for the longest time, Comedy Central, uh, Viacom kind of had this thing with YouTube, and so you, they couldn't really put YouTube clips in. And I think Kean Peele was one of the first shows. Uh, I imagine probably Tara Schuster or someone over there Nailed was like, it. "Hey, you know, Tara does social like she she That's does right. stuff for yes. At Midnight too, in terms of like all this kind of, um, mm-hmm. of you know planning and plotting and, yeah. and scheming, and she's brilliant. Yeah, but. Uh, but saying like, hey, you know, these, this, this needs to go on a place where people can see it. And then mm-hmm. all of these clips start exploding, and then, you know, very quickly you guys are like the I mean you're in the when people say sketch talk sketchos, you know, kids in the hall, mm-hmm. you know, Saturday Night Live, uh Key and Peel, you know, Dope. like you guys are you guys, you guys are up in that in that echelon. Oh, hey. But when that was happening, did it feel like that or did it did you did you did it did you notice anything different? Did you were you worried about becoming too aware of that stuff?
3: When I knew that I was gonna to get to make this sketch show with Keegan Michael Key, I knew we would have something special. Because first of all, he's the you know, he's the funniest actor I've ever seen, funniest performer I've ever worked with. So I, I knew that the potential was there and I knew it was gonna be tricky because we'd have to you know, honor all of the things that um influenced us, but the whole point of sketch is it's gotta be it's gotta be dangerous. You have these little you got these little bursts where you can step out on a ledge and like uh, just explore the edge of what's okay to do. <laughs> um so it was it was uh but then yeah the you know, as you noted Tara Schuster who is just like kind of ahead of her you know, time she can just sort of see see the the uh, the, the future a little bit, and, and with uh, with regards to um, you know and the the whole the whole digital team at at, at Comedy Central was just really really great. Um, and originally, the whole idea was, hey, let's let's put some sketches out there to get uh you know get eyes on the show, and we'll we'll advertise the show. And this was at, you know this sort of dawning in a way of you know what what I thought of. As the dawning of you know short form and YouTube happening, so there was no concept that that could actually end up being the platform that the show is the most successful on. Um, you know the ratings on the TV show never even compared to the amount of hits on YouTube. Which <laughs> Why can't
1: 150 million people watch our show? Got that show?
3: Come on, we got it it's right
1: here. <laughs> well, you here. You, if, you, if 150 million people watched your television show, yeah. they would just give you the network. Yeah, right. Like, they here would you just go. give it to it. Here's a billion dollars. Uh, don't ever ever do anything else ever again. Just That's do this. right.
3: And so, you know, and I mean, you're right. There was a, you know, for whatever reason, certainly in, you know, our contracts, we didn't have anything that acknowledged any YouTube... You know any kind of viral uh, thing at all? We didn't even know that was possible. So there really was not a healthy mo- monetization of the that phenomenon for us. Now, we weren't. We didn't. We haven't made jack shit. It's all promotional, <laughs> right? And then of course it, it promotes other people watching other YouTube right. clips. So you know, it's like it, it, it's this interesting thing where we feel like this is this is resonating, and we're we we hit this we hit this uh, place and time where you know we're we're, we're putting you know uh, uh, high quality well well directed well designed um, material with a little bit of money a little more money than you know the the competition on YouTube mm-hmm. um, we we're, we're we're getting to sort of have a little bit of the monopoly on like you know actually produced content on uh, online and uh, you know we we yeah we weren't um, we we weren't aware of what that would, would would happen. So you know by the end of the you know our term on Comedy Central, I think we were done just um, because we, we we felt like a little burnt out. Maybe like we couldn't top ourselves, like we had done a good job. But it also you know it, we we felt like we had created a, a a huge thing that it was sort of impossible to benefit from.
1: Sure. Sure, sure, sure. I Probably, you know, like Mike Judge with Beavis and Butthead or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, oh, this is such a phenomenon. But maybe it just sort of lays the groundwork for you to go on and do the next thing. But it's still a very bold move to leave a show when it's really still in its prime. Like when you really – you could have – like I think – you know, there's a certain perspective that's like, oh you could have done a couple more seasons and it probably would have been that but you guys said no, and, you know, it just feels good to leave right now. And that's a very that's a very hard thing to do, I think, and it's a very did it feel scary at all? Or do were you like now we're just we we emotionally can't you know, do this anymore?
3: Anyway. It it didn't. I first of all I, I knew I had something like get out to say and I was very excited to move to this uh you know, this this part of my passion. And and it also felt like, yeah, I mean, we're we're we are at this point where there is uh, an attention to the show that we have a, a really loyal fan base. And the, the, we have this opportunity to have people, you know, wishing for more, um, <laughs> wish, wishing they have more. And that, that you know, just like you said, I feel like that, if we had gone a couple years, it could have been great. We, hell, we could have done the best seasons of Key & Peele um, that that were if you know that, that's that's possible but it's also possible for us to um plateau sure and and that for some of that excitement to die down so i uh, you know ultimately for me it's 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 it, i i i just want to have the ability to make these these stories that are bubbling out of me, out of me and i i I'd, I'd rather do that and be uh you know poor but did you ever, <laughs> you know, then, then, to you know be super duper rich and 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 sort of feel like I don't have my um, I'm not following my passion. Totally understand. I mean, it because I would imagine it, as
1: you're going through it and you re, you know every all, comedy starts the same is where you feel like and eh, no one's really paying attention. I kind of do whatever I want, flying under the radar. You know, boy, I sure wish more people would notice what I'm doing, and then more people start noticing. And then is there any pressure where I'm going with this is uh when Chappelle left Chappelle show mm-hmm. and it seemed to me that part of it was all of a sudden everyone was really paying attention to what he was doing before which in a way kind of fucks up comedy a little bit mm. cuz comedy should be sort of intimate I think and he I think he was noticing like you know, every statement that he made all of a sudden was a newsworthy thing, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, he was becoming more... My manager has a great way of saying It's like, oh, you never want to be more famous than funny, you know? And mm-hmm. I feel like, I wonder if he was struggling with becoming, like, getting worrying about, oh, I don't want to become too famous because mm-hmm. I want to be funny. And also, he. I think he sort of felt like, I feel like the wrong people are laughing at this stuff for the wrong reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like when he does the blind uh, the blind KKK guy mm-hmm. or whatever. He's like, oh, I don't know if the... Right. Yeah, I don't know if this is funny to people for the right reason. You know, like feeling s- pressure for some of the stuff he was putting out that it was resonating in the right way. Did
3: you guys feel that through the through the process? Well, you know, to the to to the first point of 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 you know the idea of of getting bigger than you are, funny. I think there there was definitely a, a fear there that it does seem like comedy has this weird expiration date. I mean, I, I feel like there there's no, you know, the best comedians that, you know, I've seen in my lifetime, um there's a point where the laughter stops. <laughs> um and uh that that's a terrifying thing to me. So I I much more, you know, much more comfortable to to step away than to let the world go okay. These guys, uh, these guys aren't fresh and interesting anymore. They're they're yesterdays. Who's 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 the new one? Who's who's the new one? Right. Um, then when it comes to the the question of who's laughing, why they're laughing, um, I understand what um, Dave Chappelle meant. Um, I, I, I'll say that I feel like it's very different to have to have to have the burden of the stress of a show like that on his, on his shoulders as opposed to be able to share it with a partner. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you know, I also think for me, I, I have to, you know, when I ask myself, well, how how would I, how would I feel if, uh, you know, a psychopath loved one of my sketches uh, that ends in a dark way and he's laughing for the wrong reason, that is that you know that is a scary notion notion that you're you're feeding into evil, <laughs> um, but you know you kind of can't go there or I I can't go there. We well, can't I, control everyone. You can't control everyone. All I can really ask myself is what what do I want to see? What do I want to make? What's what's my voice? What's my humor? And then say, look, if if Edie Amin wants to send me a uh an email thanking me for my show that's that's his business um i didn't make it for him but it's <laughs> all right
1: what what was the uh when you met the president for the first time mm-hmm. was how, how how do you process i mean cuz there you there's no way you can be just totally chill with that i mean like you it must be oh fuck this is the president i mean mm-hmm. you know and it's sort of based on the fact that you know we're we're doing a thing that's near him comedically. It's, yeah. You know, I don't, wasn't I wasn't insulting to him, but it was definitely like, eh, it seems like he has a good sense of humor,
3: but I don't know what mm-hmm. if, you know what was well, you know the best part was he said these you know uh, these guys can't peel. They got this this anger translator Luther. It's pretty good stuff. <laughs> you know, so for him to say that. For us, that was like, oh, wait a second. We, we, we created this character, Luther, to express what we felt like he wanted to say um, and, and to express, quite frankly, what a lot of us w- wish he would say or we, we wanted to say. And um, for, for him to uh, sort of uh, acknowledge that that was funny meant to us, A, that, that, was, that was, in fact, what he wishes he could say um and it also ma- meant that you know in some ways he had anointed Luther his actual anger translator <laughs> so for us that was, the surreal thing was like we we created this this idea of Luther and he's he's become real and then of, of course you know cut to a couple of years later when you know uh, you know keegan 's at the correspondence dinner, literally doing Luther with obama, <laughs> you know and they're they 're trying to figure out some way for me to you, you know for me, am I going to do obama luther and then he 's going to come out what 's going to be and I was like, no 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 no, no you gotta this is we we got this is the moment where Luther becomes real um it, it was just it was just it's so so surreal uh, chris i can 't even i can not well, yeah,
1: you. you know that, that sort of comedy at it's at its most powerful form like its purest form is is uh satire that really affects the culture affects social change affects you know like is really part of the conversation and not just yeah jokes for jokes sake
3: that, absolutely and that that i think is what the power of sketch is and 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 the 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 tools you have at your disposal at ske- with a sketch show is that it's it's quick fire, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, we we had a little bit more time, but a show like SNL, they they're they're putting together their sketches in one week, and then by the end of the week, it, it's gone. So they they have the ability to talk about what is happening right now, um, and so to do that, it's like yeah, they, they've, they've they've you know, and they've made very, over the uh, of course over the the many years that show's been on, they've made very good. On their commitment to di- discussing the the truths of of now, right? Um, and so, the, I'm. I think the work they're doing right now is is r- s- extremely important. And I think that the 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 voices of comedians right now are um, really one of one of the most uh, powerful weapons we have against uh, hate and evil in this world.
1: I'll tell you too. If it's any indication about how difficult it is to do a good sketch show, just think about how many sketch shows are on TV at the moment. I mean, it's like with hundreds and hundreds of channels. How many?
3: I can think of like two. You have to. It's got to be constantly reinventing itself. You can't. You can't just go back. you, you, You can't just do sketch in the mold of another sketch show. You can't. You can't really make a sketch in the mold of uh, a sketch you've previously made Um, unless you're mad TV, then you can just re hit those characters (laughs) over and over and over. Did
1: that get, did that that start to get after a while you're like, really? Should I do this this stuff again? Like, did you, did you guys on mad? Did you want to do a bunch of new stuff and they go, well, you know, the
3: people want to see this. So maybe just do this. Uh, I can speak for myself personally. I, I was on mad TV. I was always trying to do, uh, new new sketches that that's the you know I, I, I had no interest in uh, really developing the recurring characters which by the way they, it, it plays because people do enjoy a certain sense of familiarity they, they enjoy a sense of, of routine and ritual when they go to to television you know what I love about sketch is that through the through the story of all the different sketches, you can build a a cohesion. The story doesn't need to be the same. It's like, it's kind of like the twilight zone. There's, um, every story is unique, but there is, there's a through line to it. Mm -hmm. And that, that it's, it's called the twilight zone, right? They've, they've branded it. (laughs) Um, so that was kind that was what I was trying to do. And so for, for me, mad TV was, 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 um, uh, it, it, in some ways just a surreal and and wonderful experience because all of a sudden I was you know getting paid to be on t v and do this thing but i, I think I have a different uh, a, approach ultimately yeah. to to comedy and you know what Keegan and I ended up doing with Kean Peel is that's that that's that's my my real voice um you know
1: when you're talking about comedy and its role in in you know like really being able to take on I mean obviously historically that's what comedy is you know comedy is a defense mechanism comedy is communal comedy says things that we you know would be weird to just say in normal conversation you know it's elevated and it's uh it's exaggerated and there's a quote that I always fucking go back to especially now but it was it came from Greg Proop's and it was <laughs> it was probably 15 years ago during the bush administration which and which
3: I, proofs quo, quote are you
1: talking about he it, so he was performing some Blaine Kapatch told me about this and then he was performing somewhere and he made some crack about bush and like some guy in the audience got all mad and I mean, greg kind of loves that because he just loves to like that's when the fucking that's when the iron giant turns into the gun you know oh, right uh that's Gre- that's when greg it's like he i think yeah. he kind of really gets off on that. Uh-huh. But he just you know, like his nose went up in the air and he goes, Uh, it's okay to laugh at things you don't agree with. It's called sophistication. <laughs> nice, and it just fucking nice. like it Blaine said it's destroyed. Yeah. And I really think about that now that we're in this time where people feel like if they don't agree with something a hundred percent, it's their mortal enemy. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you can still you can still laugh at things even if you don't if you don't, even if you don't feel like I'm a hundred percent on the side, like oh, okay, well, that, that's well, that's dude, good. I
3: mean, the internet has changed everything, right? <laughs> it really it's has like, said. I mean, f- first of all, just the way we watch things. It's like to the the knowledge that we all of our opinions can be shared and heard, and um, it, it, it is new, and I I think it's it's cool. I think it's ultimately a good thing because it brings the world closer together. But you know, with this with this. Technological development, um, you know, there's almost there's a little bit of a reset button on humanity. <laughs> you know, <laughs> feels like the internet is this—it's this kind of barbaric frontier where the rules aren't completely written yet. There is uh, there there is an anonymity to it, so we all—it's—it's it's, I, I liken it to like imagine the Wild West if everyone had a mask. Of course, but it's also. I mean it's it'll be
1: interesting in like a hundred years for people to look back and see to be able to really get some runway behind them and go, Oh, this is that because mm-hmm. it really does it changes the conversation so much because it's an entirely different language it's mm-hmm. of communication, yeah, and so it's you know when else in culturally did humanity have such a drastic universal change mm-hmm. in the communicate in the way that people communicate? Yeah, it's really strange, and I and I don't think we've even
3: really just begun to even process it yet. Absolutely not. You know, I think the 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 thing that seems closest to me is, is television, right? Television, um, all of a sudden, you know, and uh, to, to what you're saying, it's not that people, you know, it gave people a, a platform to actually communicate what they were saying, but it did it did a similar thing in that it, everyone had a TV in their home mm-hmm. all of a sudden in the '60s. And it made the world smaller. Yes, and so a lot of you know, the, you know what 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 happened in the '60s, like that that crazy time. Stays in the '60s. I completely ruined a really good point. <laughs> no, you were it's good. I, 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 I got it. it. It was like those things that make the world smaller. Those techno- technological advances. It's almost like it's like a shot of steroids to our culture. Sure. All of a sudden, people could see. Um the president get assassinated. all of a sudden, people could see um the civil rights movement and and black people getting hosed in the streets. and so the the effect that it had, you know it 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 had some 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 you know, it had both sides. it had the 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 bringing people together in a positive way, but it also had um you know these violent clashes and these uh, you know, uh, I I feel like it just sped, speeds up progress for better or, or worse, right? Which is I I I like to think ultimately for better in the big picture.
1: Well, I know I think we I think maybe I have like three more minutes before you're okay. s- swooped away, okay? Uh, because I imagine are you doing a bunch of press today? Is this oh is yeah? It I mean, well this
3: this today is the the premiere part. Holy the, shit! Yeah the the big the big uh, event. You excited? Oh, you know I. <laughs> It's so it's so surreal. You know, I, I really hope I can enjoy this. I, I have a feeling I'll it'll be like ten years, and I'll be like, Ugh, what did I? I had a premiere once. <laughs> I had my first premiere. I didn't enjoy it at the time, but kid, no. you gotta enjoy your premieres.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think honestly, if you just if you get out there on the carpet or like right when the lights go down and people are watching a movie. If you just take a breath and just sort of try to make as many mental notes of like ah, oh, you know, I'm sitting here and this is what I'm seeing and, and just like really experience,
3: like take a real snapshot. I'll feel, I'll yeah, it might feel like the you know, the pirate captain now he's in port and <laughs> it's it, the journey's over. And uh, it's, it's, it's it'll be bittersweet, but the journey's just beginning. That's what I like. I
1: hope. Uh, I, I really hope yeah. that uh, people go out and see the movie because it's it's really great. And I know I gushed about it a lot at the beginning, but again, as a horror fan, and also as someone uh, who I consider a friend, yes. it's really nice to see your friends. Like, wow, that's Thank fucking you. awesome to see that Jordan did that. He could have done all these other things, and he did that, and it's you know, and it worked.
3: Thank you, and I, you know, I, I didn't think, uh, you know, I really doubted myself, and, and so I, I just want to say to anybody who who thinks they can do it, write write the movie that you 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 want to see first. Yeah. Right. Write some. Write your favorite movie that doesn't exist.
1: Yeah, and I think that sort of gets down to the root of. I talk about it with comedy a lot, but I think it applies to horror movies, too, or any film in general. It's like, you know, there are some comics that are – there are some things, artistic things that are really good about um, relating to the audience. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I know people are going to like this. I'll say this because I like this. Those are the things that you might be entertained by, but they don't – you don't really remember them. They don't stick mm-hmm. with you. And then there are those artistic things or people or comics or movies – where they sort of force you to relate to them mm. and that I think is the real that's like really where the art lives.
3: Wow. That's a great comp- no one's put it like that and I love that.
1: Yeah, and I really feel like you accomplished this with Get Out so I please go out go out and see Get Out. What is the actual opening date? Uh,
3: February 24th. February 24th. Yeah.
1: Uh Jordan Peele directed, great cast, great movie. And uh, and thank you so much for being here. And congratulations thank on you.
3: the when's the baby due? In early July. We got July third due date. So Look, that's like, oh my god, baby America. That's gonna be that's gonna be a gonna be like <laughs> that's right around the corner. That's right around. the Oh my gosh. Uh, yep. No yep. comic con
1: for you this year. <laughs> that's right. You're gonna be you're gonna be in uh, baby con. Uh, I'm gonna be in baby con. Well, please pass on my congratulations to Chelsea. I will. And. Uh, I will. feel like i never see anyone anymore because i don't i just is she performing well pregnant
3: you know what she she just did the crunchies oh um, nice and crushed and um, and of course she's at Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yep. Um, so she's she's busy and developing stuff. She's 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 got she's got a lot of cool stuff going on.
1: Well, congratulations again,
3: and uh, thanks for being here, Jordan. Anytime. literally anytime. time. Even if there's no microphones, let's, let's nerd out. Yes, yeah,
1: usually come over and hang out. Yeah. We have video games. Yeah. I got the Nintendo Classic hooked up right there, which yeah. looks amazing on this TV. No, I want to watch some stuff. I want to yeah. We're gonna watch some stuff.
3: Dope. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Thank you, guys. <laughs> now leaving nerdist.com enjoy your burrito
0: hey grown-ups the cat in the hat cast is a new podcast from wondery perfect for the whole family join the cat in the hat and your favorite dr seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast